0: Welcome back to Rethinking Politics, episode 73.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: Yes, Brad, uh, the perpetual guest here. <laughs> Today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Bradley, ladies and gentlemen.
1: You know, Welcome. you know, just Welcome. FYI everyone, when Dan originally pitched this idea to me, and yes, it was Dan's idea. That's how I thought it was going to go down. I thought he wanted it to be like like Crime Junkies, you know, where where Dan's got something to tell people. And I'm going to be like, hmm, interesting, Dan, tell me more about that. Fascinating, fascinating. Ooh, that's an excellent point, Dan. Wow. I was, yeah, I, I was way doomed. more,
0: way more work for you in mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sighs>
0: so a few interesting things have happened in the news lately. There's been a change in tone regarding COVID-19, uh, First off, there was the five-day quarantine shift before it had Which been. Which I would call what, a lot weeks? more than
1: a change in tone, Dan. Just for the record, <laughs> yeah.
0: change. True, it's been a change in tone with specific procedural policy changes that have massive implications. Right. So there's a they go from 14 days, 14 days, two weeks. Right. Well,
1: we've Ish? we've had 10 days for a while now.
0: Okay. Ten days okay. has okay. been 10 pretty days common. The yeah,
1: I know there were okay. still some businesses that did 14 days, but. The CDC's guidance was 10 days.
0: Was 10 days. Good to know. And now it's five days. And if you're asking what changed in terms of, of uh, how contagious you are relative to the time that you got it and those kind of things, the answer is nothing. Nothing changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been, uh, gradual, there's been gradual changes in what they say happens and things like that. But that is <laughs> not the, the impetus behind this.
0: Yes, the reason they changed it was, uh, was directly political and economic reasons uh the idea being that you have to have a policy if you want the policy to be followed it must be a policy that that is also tolerated and uh and they decided um for reasons that they didn't specify but which they alluded to as being uh you know driven by politics and economics that they were going to switch to 5 day now um that's been embraced by a lot of people and businesses have often made that the norm now um but a lot of people were upset about that they were upset about that because it was not a scientific call; it was a call based on um, weighing the time that you're quarantining versus what's lost when you're quarantining. Right? It, the, the risk, the idea is actually that if you wanted to be one hundred percent sure you didn't, you weren't contagious, you'd have to wait a really long time. And so they they had made a call. The original, I thought it was fourteen initially, and then probably and then ten. As it you were may saying. have
1: been fourteen initially, but it's been ten for a while.
0: Right. What, what you're looking at is you're looking at as is a, is a, is a statistically a decline of how contagious mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are or how likely you are to be contagious and how contagious you are. Um, and uh, then you draw a line somewhere and you say, this is an acceptable level of risk. And
1: honestly, I don't think most people realize that. I think if you told no. most people, especially people who are concerned about COVID, hey, when they said 10 days, that was not because that was the number that was going to keep you safe. They said 10 days because they looked at the data and said they they said this is a balanced approach where, yes, we're going to allow people who are still contagious to spread it by saying 10 days in exchange for political and economic reasons. Yes. And so this really isn't a huge change in how they're looking at it. What it's a huge change in is their priorities. For the longest time, they've stated their main priority is to keep people safe even if it hurts the economy, even if it hurts businesses, even if you're going to be short-staffed, you're going to have supply chain issues. The argument has been, especially from organizations like the CDC, health is the number one priority, and that's been backed up by the White House and many other federal organizations who are all theoretically working together. But now, all of a sudden, you've you've gotten switched up, and now it's, no, the priority is to get people back to work, even if we risk greater infection. Which I'm sure a lot of people feel betrayed by. I don't feel betrayed by the CDC because I didn't trust the CDC, so there's nothing to betray, but Mm -hmm. that's not true for a lot of people. A lot of people were relying on the CDC and a few of these other organizations as the last group's who still were concerned about their health. You know, in the face of of the unvaxxed and the conspiracy theorists and people like us, you know, who were vaccine hesitant or had questions, there was always the CDC who said, no, it's health first, it's data first. And then to abandon that has got to completely erode so many people's trust in the CDC and in and in the white house and so many other organizations in general it's not going to be just the cdc who takes the flack for this one
0: right uh, you we mentioned offs all the time in the risks in terms of health questions you, it, i don't know the polling numbers of how many people felt you know upset or betrayed by that if there is such a poll out there um, but i've seen uh, uh, articles by journalists you know talking about this sense of betrayal and trying to to work through the <laughs> the implications, because the implications are, as you were saying, that there's there's some other factors that are being considered here, and that those may be of such importance that it's worth risking spreading COVID. Mm-hmm. And that has, as the rhetoric has gone, not been an acceptable uh, way to view COVID. It was, you'd mentioned that prioritizing health was the number one thing, and there was no number two thing. Nothing else was, yeah. I mean, there was no hierarchy, there was just, just health. Um, and by health, we mean specifically don't, uh, we mean specifically the threat of COVID-19, not general health, which was sacrificed for COVID-19, specifically, um, telling people to stay home, which was a terrible idea instead of go outside, telling people, you know, <laughs> to, that the vaccines were the only solution when, uh, when they should be doing things like exercising, taking vitamin D, mm-hmm. um, not to mention any other number of, of, uh, other things that you can do to help treat and, uh, and prevent covid-19. Um
1: yeah, cuz when so, I I mean w- cuz when I ahead. hear when I heard about the 5-day the 5-day change, first of all I was definitely surprised. But generally I tend to agree with the policy and and one of the main reasons is because because of Omicron cuz Omicron is much more contagious. It's spreading much more quickly. We're having crazy numbers of positive cases. And so if, if you're quarantining everyone for 10 days, there are going to be severe economic consequences, and the quarantining isn't going to work. Even if we do 10 days, we're not going to be able to stop the spread of this. It's too contagious. Masks <laughs> aren't going to stop it. Quarantining isn't going to stop it. Nothing but extreme measures that will never fly in the United States are going to be anywhere near effective enough to really do anything, anything we do right now against trying to slow the spread of Omicron, it's going to be a drop in the bucket. I mean, we've talked before about how things like mask mandates, you know, and contact tracing never really seem to work against even original COVID. And then with Delta, they became even less effective. Well, with Omicron, we've seen, you know, that, you know, i mean fourfold compared to original covid and twofold compared to to delta in terms of its contagiousness and its infection rate you know they have yeah. that 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 multiplier factor and i can't remember what it's called but the the rate of spread is crazy high and so it's it's not going to work and so we need to we need to be practical here and accept that it's going to happen which means we have to keep living our lives we can't right. just hide and-
0: and, and who's saying that? Well, Brad said it, but who else is saying that? Um,
1: well, yeah, and that's the kind of thing that people like me and you have been saying for a long time, not just about Omicron. What's weird about Omicron <laughs> is that more and more is becoming the official narrative. I mean, that's what yes. the CDC is doing. They're saying, you know what, this sucks, but at some <laughs> point we got to accept the fact that everyone's going to get it and... We're going to live with it. Now, the CDC right. hasn't quite said that, but that kind of is how it feels with the five-day quarantine.
0: Yeah, Fauci said, uh, in referring to who will get infected by Omicron or how many people he thinks will, will get it, he said, quote, just about everybody. <laughs> That's just pretty straightforward. Yeah, now
1: Fauci's saying <laughs> what we've been saying for over a year.
0: Right, right, which is that everyone's going uh, to get COVID at some point. In the future, whether it be the versions that are mm-hmm. in front of us or not, um, you mentioned no matter unless we we accept extreme uh, lockdown conditions, uh, everybody's going to get it. Um, the cases are skyrocketing in Australia.
1: <laughs> well, and when I say extreme, I don't mean Australia. I mean you mean solitary confinement for every yes. every human being, like the the extremist version. You know, yes, the kind that China would struggle to pull off. You know, that kind of extreme,
0: <laughs> right? Right. And, and that may or may not work because of how contagious it is that people trying to enforce it would get, end up getting it in. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you really, if you didn't have the five-day change, you would have such significant portions of, a, of your average business with, uh, with Omicron at the same time that it would essentially shut down, like you said. The, the overlap of employees who are out in quarantine would become quickly become ridiculous. Um, which is why you can't have fourteen days or or whatever you know whatever number it would take to be very confident that the chances of them spreading it is zero percent, which is well above ten and well above fourteen. So then you have so you've got Fauci saying that right it's very likely with some exceptions. Um, or I guess it, it, he said uh, with reference to those uh, who've been vaccinated that it's very likely. I can't remember the context of this quote. <laughs>
1: Forget that. All we know for <laughs> sure on. is it's very likely. What, <laughs> it's whatever very likely. he was talking about is definitely <laughs> very likely. So rest confident in that knowledge.
0: Um, at this point. So right now, the other thing that's in the news is that hospitalizations and COVID cases are on the rise. Are way up. People are, people are freaking out about hospitals being full uh, and, uh this is this is in part because uh the numbers of people in the hospitals are increasing and this is in part because the number of employees in the hospitals who are uh, the number of healthcare employees is, down. is going down. down and it's going down in part because of the vaccine mandate which in some cases has led to hundreds in within certain you know uh, medical uh hospitals and hospital networks uh, to hundreds of people um being put on uh, temporary leave, which I believe will will culminate in their termination if they do not comply. Yeah, and I know some um,
1: have quit and things like that. and, yes, then, and, and others then, have quit. And then the other reason that they're out workers is because – So many of them are getting infected with Omicron, and part of that is because Omicron does seem to bypass natural immunity to a surprising degree. I mean, at this point, Omicron seems to bypass just about everything, that that whether or not you're vaccinated or quadruple boosted or you've gotten Delta or original COVID, odds are you're going to get Omicron at some point.
0: Yes, and that was, that was Fauci's point when he said just about everybody, which is a strange thing for him to admit, because up to this point, the idea was don't get COVID-19. Yeah. Right? Uh, you, you do whatever you have to do to avoid getting it. And a vaccination may not be sufficient, so you need to be careful in a variety of other ways, continue wearing masks, social distance, etc. Um, at this point, he's accepted that everybody's going to get it.
1: Well, and, and what I was going to say is is what I honestly what I think is happening is is that you have a lot of hospital workers who are getting Omicron because most of the hospital measures to protect the healthcare workers. All that PPE just isn't doing anything against Omicron. And so you mm-hmm. you're treating Omicron patients in the hospitals and then it's just spreading. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. one person has it and everyone's getting it, you know, that which which stinks for the next month or so. But then pretty soon it it should burn through the hospitals and this should be a temporary problem. Like obviously it's a it's a serious problem that you're losing that many hospital workers, especially if they're not, you know, if they're not even direly sick, but they're they have to quarantine, you know, there are gonna be consequences of that. You know, if if there aren't enough people to do surgery and there's, you know, critical surgery, that creates a problem. Absolutely. But it should be a temporary problem.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> the the
1: other side effect of this is really interesting, and I wanna I wanna share an article from NBC News talking about uh, Omicron. US Do reports, it, and then I got something funny. You got something funny? Share your funny thing. You know, it's
0: a funny thing first. Always. Well, the the, uh, the article that we read that talked about uh, well, I guess it was not an article. It was the CDC's official response in which they were asked uh, about the efficacy of things like. Uh, they were asked specifically whether or not you could get Omicron again, and they said that they they were unsure at this point if you <laughs> if getting Omicron made you uh, less susceptible or more susceptible to getting Omicron in the future. <laughs> and the, the way the way it was the way it been phrased, like that may not strike you immediately, but let's just say that if you get sick with something, and getting sick with it. Makes you more likely to get more it again likely to get it in the future, you just don't get better mm-hmm. right? If your immune system gets worse at fighting at fighting it. it while you've got it, you are going to die from this, right? Or it's going to become one of those things that's a permanent
1: disease they They were trying to speak very life. neutrally, and I think it backfired a little bit it did, it did. really, it what was... they should have said is we don't have data yet on whether or not Omicron protects you from getting omicron again, even though, they, they should be able to make a reasonable guess that it will provide protection, because that's what all other iterations of COVID have done so far, have provided at least some degree of protection. They're welcome to, to, to be ambivalent on how much protection, on how much, but to yeah, argue the that it's not even clear you. there's any protection is, is odd, to say the least. You might get
0: negative natural immunity from having <laughs> it somehow. Um, Once
1: you get it, you actually go into a downward spiral until you just permanently have it, Dan. I mean that—that's that's I mean, what, what, what it would mean, right? If you became it more likely each yeah. time, because more and, and be more fair, people then, would continue to get it. Yeah.
0: The reason this is funny and not uh, malicious or something is because this was a live questioning thing, right? And people—people people misstep. <laughs> <laughs> They—they right? they, they try and be neutral, as Brad was saying, and they end up being too neutral, saying something nonsensical.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyways, this is not a live questioning what I'm going to read. This is this is an NBC News. U.S. reports record 1.3 million COVID cases in a day as hospitalizations soar. You know, and this is a similar kind of article you're seeing all over the place, talking about the crazy number of infections and hospitalizations are following right behind them. And it's terrifying and terrible. And you need to watch out. I mean, it's in conjunction with Fauci, who, you know, I think it was a week ago said that you should be watching the hospitalization rate for Omicron if you're deciding whether or not you should be worried, you know, that's the, that's the number to watch. And so seeing this huge surge in hospitalizations is definitely frightening for people. And this article goes on, continues to talk about, it talks about which States have it. you know, got a lot of mid Atlantic States like New Jersey and New York that have a per capita high rate, you know, Washington, DC, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's a direct quote by the by the way. Um, (laughs) But then when you're almost at the end of the article, maybe two thirds of the way through, maybe three fourths, has a tiny little paragraph, as the highly contagious Omicron variant spreads, hospitals have also, so this is not actually directly related to what we're talking about, have also reported a growing trend of patients admitted for other ailments, also testing positive for COVID-19. In other words, you know, this hospitalization rate that's so scary may not actually be accurate. And there have been several articles specifically talking about this. I know it was a New York governor who went and looked at it and found that 42% of, of the hospitalized hospitalized patients actually being admitted for non-COVID-19 reasons, and they also happened to test positive. So this is not old news. I mean, this is this is old news. This is not new and emerging data. It's been around for a while that this NBC News Article which came out January eleventh. How many days ago was that? Yesterday. Yesterday. I know I was being sarcastic. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was me teasing them. should have <laughs> Should have been aware of this information and aware that it's actually directly relevant to the fear mongering that's going on in this article. So then I go down to the next paragraph because I'm curious what they can glean from this information. And they say, doctors told NBC News. So NBC News couldn't even glean anything. They had to ask somebody. Doctors told NBC News. Sorry, I'm being really mean to NBC News. But I think this article is a reflection of of why we think so little of – of legacy media and these mainstream companies because it's, it's so bad. It's embarrassing. Doctors told NBC news, the trend could mean more people are having asymptomatic or undiagnosed cases than the current data shows. And then they don't mention anything about the hospitalizations. Again, they go on to talk about how the cases are increasing and high transmission end of article. Okay, so no, so I'm not I'm not skipping something that they they go on to talk about it. No, the only thing they could derive from that fact that number of patients, a growing number of patients, are testing positive for COVID 19 but aren't being admitted for COVID 19, is that it means there could be more asymptomatic or undiagnosed cases. In other words, the case count could actually be higher. So they don't think anything about how the hospitalization count could be lower, but that the case count should actually <laughs> be higher is yeah, the only the, the, thing the, worth deriving from this
0: having highlighted that the hospitalization rate is really high and thus you should be extremely worried they note that a massive portion of those should not worry you yes <laughs> but don't conclude that that shouldn't worry yes, you. yes right? they, it has yeah, no they impact don't draw on their any original conclusions
1: it, it reminds me of uh you know those drug commercials where they have the the tiny text and the speed voice at the end where they don't really want you to pay attention to that part, pay attention to the earlier part, but it's, it's crazy because that should matter. If half of the hospitalizations or close to half are not really COVID hospitalizations, then those numbers look very, very different. You know what I mean? Already there's a huge gap between, you know, infection rates and hospitalization rates, that even if we took the numbers at face value, Omicron is less dangerous than than earlier versions of COVID. But then you cut that number in half again, and it becomes much, much less scary. But no one seems to want to do that, even though everyone is now admitting, you know, there are disclaimers like that in almost every article admitting that the data is is wrong. Like, we're like, we quote the data, Disclaimer at the bottom, by the way, we know this data is not worth anything. And then continue to make conclusions and, and statements based on the original data after acknowledging that they don't know how worth, worthwhile it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's CNN Jakes Tapper uh, actually commented on this and made, and made it, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just read the quote, we're two years into this. If somebody's in the hospital with a broken leg and they also have asymptomatic COVID, that should not be counted as hospitalized with COVID clearly. Close quote.
1: And this is the kind of thing that, I mean, just two weeks ago, Robert Malone was saying on Joe Rogan's podcast, where he was talking about the hospitals were incentivized to just record all the numbers anyone who tests positive is a COVID case and they would get m- money for it. And he's labeled a quack for saying things like this. And now it's two weeks later and we've got a CNN, you know, a CNN is saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, not exactly the same thing, but at least the fact that the, the, yes. the data is misleading, which was Malone's biggest statement.
0: Yeah. So in the most recent uh, uh, recent to this one, I think there will be another briefing from the CDC. The CDC does, I think, Virtually weekly, and it may even be weekly. Um, It's got to be close to that. They've done like eighty briefings, roughly, since COVID started, where they they take questions and they and they discuss what uh, their policies and things going forward. Um, And they were asked a bunch of questions like this one, of like following up on on what Jake Tapper noted and what uh, what we've been discussing here. This idea that that the hospitalizations, the COVID hospitalizations number is grabbing anybody in the hospital who has COVID. And because of how contagious Omicron is, how ridiculously contagious it is.
1: You're just going to have so many hospitalizations.
0: That's probably going to, <laughs> to spread to most of the people in the hospital f- for any reason, right? And, uh, and so that data isn't very useful. So they asked the CDC, uh, and I don't, I don't recall who it was who questioned them, which reporter was like, hey um, – so how many of them are there from COVID? And the CDC's answer is we don't know, but we're going to collect that data. In fact, we've started collecting that data. Yeah, and we're going started. to start it for you. Why it took two years to start differentiating Between people in the hospital. Because just to be
1: clear, this is not a new phenomenon. The phenomenon has Mm -hmm. grown because of Omicron, but this is how it's always been. I mean, they talked about asymptomatic COVID and and people who had COVID and didn't know it, you know, a long time ago, you know, almost two, you know, a year and a half ago. And in hospitals then were doing that same thing where they were testing. And so you had people who were testing positive. When they were in the hospital for routine routine surgery or to give birth, and those numbers haven't been considered for two years, until all of a sudden we're like, "Hey, we should look at this."
0: Yeah, and deaths are calculated in a similar manner, where if you die and you have COVID, you're counted as a COVID death, and so it's a, you know, it's something that you can try and differentiate at least a little bit at least at least try and i mean it's 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 much more difficult to say the actual cause of death without some kind and, of
1: uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that cuz saying things like this has been one of the easiest ways to get yourself labeled a conspiracy theorist for the past 2 years saying things like those aren't actually hospitalizations and not all of those deaths were actually caused by covid are the kind of things that conspiracy theorists have been saying and at least for me, it's incredibly vindicating to have people finally realizing that they're right, that there is something going on here that is wrong, that we have been ignoring the data for the past two years. I mean, we keep talking about following the science and and, and how this needs to be data driven when we've been ignoring huge chunks of data for for over two years. It's crazy. It's crazy. And now the CDC is acting like this is the first time they thought of it, which if that's true, if that's true, is the first time they've actually thought of it. Then I say we close down the organization, because if it takes them two years into a pandemic to ask the question, hey, we should make sure that when we're looking at hospitalizations, it's people who are admitted for covid, not people who tested positive for covid while in a hospital, because that's pretty obvious.
0: Yes, especially if what you want to understand is the, who what's is so sick that they've been put in the which hospital. Which
1: is how the number's been used. Which is
0: yes, which is exactly how the number's been used the whole time. Um, yeah, it's it's silly. Um, I I've, I really wonder. I say it's, people... it's not
1: silly. It's it's really important. I I I'm hammering this hard, but I feel like it needs to be <laughs> hammered hard. That this is a major screw up that is now publicly acknowledged, you know what I mean? This is not a conspiracy theory about misleading COVID hospitalization numbers. This is Jack Jake Tapper and Anthony Fauci and the CDC all acknowledging the fact that we've had misleading COVID hospitalization numbers. This is not yeah. it's not a question of debate. The only thing that's a question of debate is why we should be listening to these people in the first place when they've been getting something this serious. This wrong for this long,
0: right? And we're happy to play on. We're happy to include extra numbers knowingly. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about. It. You can pick up virtually any article on COVID nineteen and it's and the tone of it, the the style of it, like the one that Brad shared earlier, is fearmongering. Yeah, with the, with the new
1: data has not changed anything. You know what I mean? They even acknowledge no. we have new data, but it doesn't change how we feel about anything. Right. How is that following the data, Dan? Help me understand. It's,
0: it's not. It's not. In your, it's, a, it, it's a long time in coming. All of this has been a long time in coming. Um, and, and frankly, it's, politically, it's political suicide for the people who are now making the switch. For Fauci to say this and for the people to react in a sense of betrayal, people who trusted Fauci mm-hmm. still to this point. To react uh, with some degree of betrayal and to start asking these questions and to start questioning these things for Jake Tapper to suggest what it's been two years, right? What what is happening? That that is entirely deserved. Um, I don't know. One of the, we've talked a lot about the political incentives. How the political incentives are that you stake out a plan and that you stick to it regardless of the evidence, mm-hmm. and that and that bureaucracies once given a purpose and once given a directive have an extremely hard time adapting. They don't have the flexibility. They don't have the accountability. They don't have the, you know, none of their, none of their uh, monetary instruction, none of their monetary incentives, none of their uh, political incentives. The things that keep them in power mm-hmm. and keep them fat and happy are are all tied to, all push them in the direction of stick, stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. This is the political plan Go forward with it. So for them to adjust this can only look bad on them. Can only look incompetent. Why would they adjust it? Well, it's because what Fauci said about everybody getting Omicron is not just true, but it's obviously true. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to happen, and he can say it, or he can wait a couple of weeks and it will have already happened. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the, the reckoning, the the proof that what he that their plan didn't work is already here. And he now has to change. He has to change or look even worse. This is a, this is a small price to pay, considering the alternative of, uh, of just continuing to claim everything's fine and you can avoid getting it as everybody gets it, right? This is, this is the, the best of two really bad options for them because it, nothing's happened like they thought it would.
1: Yeah, and, and I think part of this is – Really is a change, like you said. It's a it's a political change in how they're going to deal with the crisis. Because for the longest time, from the top down, and of course, by a top down, I mean the White House. You know, the the approach has been, we are going to fix COVID, we are going to end COVID. It was kind of a day one promise. And for the longest time, it's been framed that way. You know, we're going to do anything we can. Health is a number one priority, which means we will do whatever it takes. And anyone who stands in our way is, you know, is evil and is trying to destroy the world. The problem now is that they've had to come face to face with the reality that it was impossible. What they set out to do literally could not be done. As evidenced by the fact that Australia, who did it much, much better, is not able to do it either. You know what I mean? If if Australia can't do it, there's no way that a country as split as ours is going to accomplish it. And so they have to they have to reevaluate, which is what we've actually mentioned that before that that Biden a long time ago, if he had had a different stance, would have done much, but much better if he had had a clear stance saying, "Here's what we're gonna do." But at a certain point, there are things you're going to have to accept. And now this late in the game, that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to pivot and saying, yes, this is going to be endemic. Yes, this is going to stick around, but you can be safe. And I think part of the reason that they're, they're pushing the vaccines still is because the more people who are vaccinated, the more the benevolence of omicron can be attributed to the vaccines you know what i mean that yes, yes, that yes, if yes, no yes. one's vaccinated and omicron omicron sweeps through and doesn't kill very many people then it just looks like omicron is mild but if you have 80% vaccination you can still argue this is because of the vaccine and all as well and don't get me wrong, the vaccine does have some efficacy. But that efficacy is all over the place. There's an amazing article from CNBC talking about a uh, Pfizer CEO and and the vaccine. And he says a number of crazy things. You know, he says first of all, the two doses are not enough for Omicron. Direct quote, the two doses, they're not enough for Omicron. So I I paraphrased earlier. <laughs> And then he goes on to say the third dose of the current vaccine is providing quite good protection against deaths and decent protection against hospitalizations. And the thing is, is with the boosters, they are showing more effectiveness, but that effectiveness drops like a rock. And it's crazy. The, the cross time. Yeah, cross right. time. So I was gonna I was gonna illustrate it. So the booster dose can be up to 75% at preventing preventing symptomatic infection. That's peak, and that's soon after getting it. But then by 10 weeks, it's down to 40 or 50%. And so in a matter of weeks, its effectiveness is cut in half. It's just it's just wild. And, and the problem with that is you can't take a booster shot every two months. And unless you can take a booster shot every two months, even getting the booster is not going to be effective enough against... Against Omicron that you know you're going to get it and it will help you some with the with hospitalization. Honestly, the data on that is really rough right now because that data is relying on what we know to be faulty hospitalization information. You know what I mean? And so it just doesn't work. It's kind of like how they had studies earlier about how natural immunity wasn't very effective based off of one study in Kentucky that was based off of the tests they were using in Kentucky that had who knows how many false, false positives. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so the data becomes garbage. And that's the same problem we have here is that we have yeah. really messy data on what the vaccines are doing. We have really messy data on hospitalizations. On Omicron, we have general ideas, we have general snapshots that Omicron is much safer, is much more infectious, and that the vaccines are much less effective against Omicron. All of those statements would be really hard to disagree with right now, but yes. clearer pictures like that simply aren't available. And in large part, it's because our data is so bad.
0: Yeah, to, th- to this day, and <laughs> maybe the numbers are out there at this point, at this particular moment. I have searched dozens of times at this point probably that's probably an exaggeration. <laughs> By the way you're talking 75 to 50 it's a third but anyway um, <laughs> somebody's going to correct this Might as well be me. Um <laughs> the uh,
1: <laughs> well I was going 75 to 40% is almost is almost, it's almost 50, okay. And so I and was rounding yeah. up fair enough fair, fair enough. A, a, no
0: 75 to 40 is better yes. I thought it was 75 to 50.
1: And and part of it is because after 10 weeks it's just going to continue to drop.
0: Yeah. I to this day I I in fact I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it as we speak how many people have died from omicron no numbers no I'm seeing no numbers
1: it's interesting Dan because most of the data we have on omicron is from the UK it's not from the US the UK did one study and we've gotten a ton of like a ton of the things we talk about with Omicron and the vaccines and all of that is based off of that or a couple of the other UK studies.
0: or uh, yeah South Africa's mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Which is which is fine. I mean, this, the actually doing these kind of things takes time, and that's not that surprising. Of course, it'd take much less time if we began with good numbers, mm-hmm. which we didn't want to gather because it would reduce. The it would reduce the, the number of deaths. It would reduce the number of hospitalizations, and that would make it less frightening. Mm-hmm. Which the people at the top thought would be counterproductive mm-hmm. to the to scaring people into yeah, acting in the manner that they thought It was a, it was a noble was lie
1: of omission that was politically acceptable for the past two years, but all of a sudden has not become politically acceptable.
0: Yeah, one of the, at least a handful that I'm aware of, and I'm sure that there are many more. Um It's. <sighs> It, it's silly. People in, – and in what are people going to – I'm just waiting for the next pandemic, right? The next major emergency. People don't forget this. They're not going to forget that it was – how much of this was BS. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um,
1: yeah, you could, you could have something that has Ebola-level, you know, fatality metality. rates, and a huge section of this population wouldn't believe it until everyone around them was dead. You know what I mean? Then if the government <laughs> yeah. came to me right now and said there's a virus that has 90% fatality rate and it's incredibly infectious, you got to do something, I would be like, I don't believe you. Because why yeah. should I? Because 90% of what you've said about COVID has been either misleading or just wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say release your data, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> if, you can, if you can verify that, if you can prove that, prove it. Show me. Yeah, but the initial
1: um, statement I wouldn't take no. it at face value.
0: No, I agree. I agree 100%. Um Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's a mess. I was I was coming through their recent uh that recent Q&A that I was talking about. Um they they're asking them questions about is it is it more dangerous to uh to the youth? Cuz it could be. Uh, it's it's odd that it's so benevolent, that it's <laughs> that it's affecting uh that it's basically harmless to children and always has been, even before Omicron. Um, and their answer was to hedge, was to say, we don't know, essentially. Um, We're worried there are more children in the hospital, but we don't know the cause of that. Which is
1: funny because Fauci specifically stated that, that one of the things Fauci has said is that – and I have I actually have a quote on what Fauci said about it. If, out, if a child goes in the hospital, they automatically get tested for COVID, and they get and then they get counted as a COVID hospitalized individual. When in fact, they may go in for a broken leg or appendicitis or something like that, and that as a result, quote the hospitals hospitals are quote overcounting the number of children who are hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID. That Fauci is basically arguing the same, you know. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, Brett Weinstein was saying, this is not dangerous for children, and you need to calm down a little bit. And everyone's like, you're nuts, Brett. And here we are a few weeks later, and – sorry, Brett Weinstein. You're welcome, (laughs) listener. Brett Weinstein said that, and uh, now you've got Fauci just a few weeks later saying the same thing. It's weird. It's weird. But sorry, I, I, I derailed you. Continue, Dan.
0: No, no, it's not derailing. We're looking at a lot of various things on this that are odd and that are uh, that are changing. And changing for they're changing because Omicron is ridiculously contagious because everyone is going to get it because it's going to have burned its way through the populated areas in places like New York. In fact, there's already some signs that the, the trend is going to is, is starting to turn and may have turned already. I actually haven't checked that in a couple of days and where this is so rapidly evolving um, so rapidly moving and getting burning through the population. It's very likely that it already is turning down in a, in a number of places. In some
1: places, yeah, that have hit, it, hit it higher. It'll take a few months for it to move through.
0: Yes. Yes. And the result will be that, that virtually everybody will have it. Now the immunity, immunity from Delta does not help you against Omicron, um, or at least, it, uh, the amount of it is minuscule, just like, just like a lot of the vaccines. Um, you'd mentioned the Pfizer article and how it, i don't remember if you mentioned it did you mention that they're making a new vaccine specifically for omicron i didn't mention it no yeah they're making a new vaccine specifically for omicron because
1: because their vaccine is the not effective
0: yeah and br- the brad mentioned they've they were like well, what this is not effective we're going to adapt it to omicron specifically and then we're going to have that and hopefully that's more effective um by that point, almost everybody will have had Omicron.
1: And then everyone who's had Omicron will be encouraged to get the Omicron vaccine. <laughs> they will. It's true.
0: <laughs> it's true, even though it's it's super mild. So I was reading an article earlier today about, about how it is now endemic. Um and and how and then it went on to explain what that means. Actually, actually what it said was we're on the verge of COVID-19 becoming endemic meaning it would appear seasonally, it would probably, it would affect relatively smaller portions of the population because there'd be some residual uh, immunity uh, through either having it or or uh, getting the vaccines. And then uh, as that wears low and as the weather changes and, and the the same reasons that you get, tend to get sicker in the winter, right? And the flu and things usually go around then. Colds are, you're more likely Um that would happen with COVID-19. And and it was it was in the most. This article was written in the most. It was like he was explaining it to an eight-year-old. Um, in terms of of how careful it was to define every term and what this process would look like, and how harmless it would be at that point. And we knew this we knew this a year ago we knew this <laughs> at least we knew it probably longer than that right we if if a good virologist should have been able to see this virtually from the beginning why because of how it spread and because of its relatively low lethality rate right which which means it's going to spread the low lethality is a you if something is extremely lethal it usually doesn't spread very much like ebola for example um you know though ebola
1: Sorry, go ahead, I, go I just ahead. wanted to make a side note here about the talking down, because that's definitely something we've seen about the pivot, is there's, not, there's never been, oh, well, we realized we were wrong, and now we're looking at it this way. No, they've continued to talk from a place of authority, that when Fauci is talking, he's explained to them, hey, you're forgetting, you need to realize that when we're talking about hospitalized children, there are actually two kinds – and there's hospitalized with COVID and hospitalized because of COVID. You probably didn't know that, but I'm here to Because I've, I've never mentioned it. Because I've never mentioned it for the past year and a half, and I've ignored that fact. But now that I know it, I'm going to, to teach it to you. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. as, if, as if they were the ones with the wisdom. And now those of us who have been saying it for a long time, you know, those of us who've been saying, hey, this is going to be endemic, they're saying, hey. This is how viruses work. Sometimes what happens is this and this and this. And it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good.
0: You don't sound bitter at all. You you seem you you're handling this very well, Brad. This vindication thing with a lot of grace and a lot of
1: <laughs> I I am not a good sport and I'm I'm the kind of person to uh to be very upset when I lose and and maybe to do a little victory dance when I win and and so right now I'm 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 doing a little bit of a victory dance, but it's hard because I just beat the other team soundly and they're over here celebrating and telling me that it's okay that I didn't win. And that's why I sound so frustrated because <laughs> there's nothing more frustrating than beating someone and them sitting there and consoling you on your loss like how do you handle that i tell you how you handle that it's a combination of being frustrated also being happy like it's just it's weird it's weird dan
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm here to help you get through this trying time. i appreciate that it's trying time uh the q a was riddled with terms like well as the science has evolved yes science as we learn more through the scientific processes is a good term science
1: evolving i I keep seeing
0: the word evolve yes which is, which is likely one of those, uh, you, you could say, you could address the fact that through the scientific process, we discover more information and even that we were wrong about previous information all the time. If the debate is allowed to happen, if the discussion is allowed to be carried out, if you have uh, if you don't have so much top down, which it would be if, better you if you don't have- with
1: them, they'd probably argue that's what they mean when they say the science evolved. But the reason why yes. the science evolved is an interesting turn of phrase, is because it's continuing the idea that there is the science, which is one thing, and there's one mm-hmm. official mm-hmm. thing, which is the science, and that thing is changing, and that's yes. what they're saying.
0: Yes, this is the kind of we, we've we pointed out linguistic things like this before, uh, often. Political phrases that are used regularly by a large group of people sharing a common cause are, div- are as <laughs> are as naturally created as this virus, which is to say someone in a lab doing research <laughs> created this <laughs> phrase, right? They tested it. They went through <laughs> all kinds of processes. And they walked out and said, here's the term we're going to use. We're going to use evolve. Why? Because evolve has the continuity you were just pointing out, right? There's a continuity in a single thing, even though even though evolution itself brings that into question. But that's how people perceive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then you 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 can at, you can adapt within the context that in within a context that you are in control of, rather than to say we learned that we are wrong. Yeah. Or or we're now or more to the point and more directly to how human decisions are made, we've decided that the certain things that we're trying to achieve, the purposes that we're aiming for and the means that we're using are not apt (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to have to settle for a lesser purpose with different means. We're going to have to adjust some numbers because the, the valuations we're making between public health and economics and all these other things are shifting and the danger is shifting. And I mean,
1: and it And it works normally with politics, because how it works is number one rule of politics is you never admit that you are wrong, even if there's yep. overwhelming evidence, even if that overwhelming yes. evidence is brought to you in a public forum like a debate like someone yes. you're someone you're debating will say something that unilaterally you cannot argue with, and you sidestep it and the reason you do is because as long as you don't say the words "I was wrong," then a large Portion of the people who already support you are going to forget that you were ever wrong. And by you not saying it, by you not admitting it, you give them the space and the permission to continue to believe that you've never been wrong and to live in this kind of self denying headspace. And it's something you see all the time with diehard fans of any politician where their candidate is perfect, which is obviously nuts. But people are able to believe it because their candidates provide this space for them to do that. And it's something that I think that that the policy makers are banking on here is that you have people who have been on your side so strongly, who haven't even been listening to people like Joe Rogan or any of these other things. And so they won't realize that that information has already been out there. And can possibly say, okay, well, the science has evolved, let's follow the science, and I guess we're going to have to make some changes. And I'm just hoping that in the information age that we have today, enough of those people will realize that that really is not what's going on. And they really have been lied to for the past two years by the same people who are telling them at least some of the truth now. But who knows?
0: That's, that was the hope. We did, we did that, uh, and we talked about that a little bit recently. The idea that perhaps at this point, because of the internet and because we can all access the same sources to a large degree, I can pull up the studies that are being referenced. I can, I can actually pull them up and look mm-hmm. at them. Um, I no longer have to go to, uh, the, you know, the medical section of a university, of a prestigious university to have access to all the medical, uh, data that's been in studies that have been done on this subject. Um, and, in COVID has actually furthered this to a large degree. The, the, the way information has been shared in the international community is pretty sweet. It's actually been, has actually uh, been a, a uh, markedly more open, even as the government funded studies and things uh, have hidden data mm-hmm. and not shared their data so that their studies can't actually be, sufficiently reviewed by outsiders, but what do you expect when they've decided that the, what's important is that you behave properly, not that they tell you the truth, right? They, they've, they've weighed those two and decided that your behavior is what what's important to them. They want you to behave properly, and thus they'll tell you what they think is necessary for you to do that. Um. Anyway, it's a... Uh, hopefully, hopefully this could be a change. I, I really, really want... <laughs> for the uh for the retrospective on COVID to be able to confront some of these things. It does happen in politics, it doesn't happen very often. The Iraq war is a good example of where at this point public opinion has shifted dramatically mm-hmm. against the Iraq war. Even when it was
1: dramatically in favor of it, at yeah, the time. and looks back at looks back at it and says, "Yeah, why did we do this?" And it, yeah, it looks, and that is the hope, right? Because we're, because at this point, you know, the narrative has changed once again to a better narrative, a narrative that is more in line with reality. Yeah, it's to than it's reality. been the entire two years. So that that alone is awesome because. That's true. The closer the government is to reality, the the better their policies are going to be. You know what I mean? And things like the five-day quarantine, things like them calming down on some other things could really help us out. And so we want more of that, not less of that. So this change is definitely good in terms of us getting past COVID, not as a virus, but as a society crippling fear, fear and guilt. response to that fear because at that point that is the biggest cost that covid is is currently hitting us with the the worst damage that covid is going to do has already been done you know those first times that that covid and delta swept through and killed you know the large numbers of of elderly people and people who are high at risk that was that was the big damage and that damage has been done you know there's still going to be damage i'm not saying it's over there's always going to be damage i mean <clears throat> Human mortality is – is part of that is our mortality. I was trying to phrase that more beautifully, but I, I messed it up. You know what I mean? That it's that it's just part of our existence is that there's going to be risks, and that's never going to go away. But in terms of this being a pandemic, pretty soon here, being able to say that won't make any sense because it won't be a pandemic anymore. Yeah. And that's good um, that, that we're starting is, to be open to acknowledging that.
0: It is good. I had hoped. I had hoped in our uh, New Year predictions that COVID wouldn't be the big story and and things like this. And we, we had a funny discussion about that, <laughs> which my dreams were crushed. But at least, but this is this no, is getting this closer is good to a good life. News for what you
1: said, absolutely, mm-hmm. which I am mm-hmm. very happy about. If I can be wrong, and by the end of this year, we're no longer talking, talking about COVID as a current event. Oh man, I'm gonna be so happy to be like, you know what, Dan, you were right, and I was wrong. And and cheers,
0: that would be awesome. Uh, one one final story from me. Um, I was reading an article about a woman who who recently got COVID. She wasn't. She didn't specify if she got Omicron or uh, or Delta. At this point, to to figure out which one you have, you have to take an additional test. The normal tests will not tell you if you have COVID or if you have Omicron. And
1: I don't. I don't know if anyone has access to that. You know, any to if normal people have access to that. I don't think they do.
0: To even a means to go and get that yeah, test yeah, to determine the, the, the which
1: sequencing kind. test to find out what kind of virus it is. I don't think we have access to that. Uh, you can't. Ask I haven't for heard. It, you, of you know that. what I mean? Yes, there, I haven't there, heard of it. They're not there doing There are agencies it who are going and they're testing these random samples, but they're not offering it to people who want it.
0: Yes. So she's she had uh, she had COVID. She had a really mild case. Uh, certainly could have been Omicron, and the symptoms sounded like a- it. There's how some recently variation did in she symptom. have
1: it? Um it would have been uh, like in January in the up. past 2 weeks. Uh, I believe so. Cuz yeah, cuz if it was in January in the US, odds are statistically speaking it's Omicron, but you never know. Yes. But since yes. the beginning of January, Omicron has dominated the case counts. And
0: yeah, so she gets it and she uh she has spent the 2 years of this pandemic. Interacting with virtually nobody but her husband and her two kids. This was an article in the Huff Post. So one of
1: those people who's basically been able to quarantine the entire time, which there are still people like that.
0: Her husband works online. Um, I don't remember what her she had worked but stopped working, um, in part at least because of, uh, in order to take care of the now significant time uh, time needs of her children yeah, who were not no be able to go to whatever for... care they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? right. So they've been online schooling, they've been doing all kinds of things. Um and she finally gets it. She gets COVID. And she talks about in this article the relief she had when she realizes that she has COVID um and I immediately had a very particular reaction. And when I shared this story, I had the, Brad had the same, same reaction, reaction, which
1: is that the relief is that now she no longer has to live in fear. you know, the thing she's That's afraid of, she's gone, and so now she doesn't have to continue living that life.
0: Yeah, she didn't specify, no doubt this woman has had uh, has had uh, the shots. She would have said if one of them couldn't get it. Um, so she she gets it, and i'm I'm happy for her as I'm reading this article. She can now leave her house. And feel okay, like I, like having confronted the devil and having you know fought the demon, mm-hmm. emerged victorious. Um, it's yeah, and had a mild case, for so there
1: wasn't you know long term effects and all of right. that, and she didn't have to go to the hospital. So in general, even if you didn't want to get COVID, at the end this of is this, it's as... a good story.
0: Yes. Yeah, so she she and then she explains why she's relieved. She's relieved because she has self-quarantined in her house. And for five days, she was like three days into it when she published this, I believe. For five days, she's going to be able to avoid all interactions with her husband and children. <laughs> <laughs> that was a poor turn of phrase. She's not like she's getting wanting a break to avoid from them, but family. it's a break. Yeah, it's which a break. she
1: hasn't had in two years.
0: Yes, because they've all been trapped in the same building together. And, uh, and when she said that was why she was relieved, my heart just sank. Like, and she talks about whether she, she wants the test to be positive for the kids or negative um, for her family. They're, they've been tested since she got it and they haven't got the results yet. Um, and uh, she has mixed feelings about it for a variety of reasons. But she has not put together yet the fact that she can go about a normal life.
1: Yeah, it that did. this is going to be a break, but then she's going to go right back to what she was doing before she got Omicron. Right. Or, I mean, right. I assume is Omicron.
0: Right. She's looking at a five-day break, and that is her the the reason for her relief, and
1: then resuming the you know the permanent quarantine that she's been living.
0: Somebody put her in a bubble. And fly her to Florida or Texas, or m- any number of other places, so that she can look out the window and see children playing together outside, right? Just normal things. People mm-hmm. go. People going to the beach. People, <laughs> kids in school, right? The like. It's actually fine. If you if the the risk <laughs> has been so blown out of proportion. The reactions have been so overwhelming, and it's not—I don't even feel like it's her fault. You know, I'm not pointing the finger to like you're—you're you're an idiot or anything. She's been reading articles like the ones that yeah, we read. Yeah, really she's a victim of
1: of a massive misinformation campaign to steal their term. To steal their term,
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that's told her that this is. This may kill her and her family. It's very likely to, um, or to have
1: permanent life you know, This is life so scary effects. that even after getting it, you shouldn't change anything you're doing.
0: Yeah, it's in, and it's utter nonsense to live your life in paralysis of something with that level of threat to you. Um, the direct risk to her and her family has probably always been
1: minuscule. Mm-hmm. And now it's even lower
0: and now yeah it, negligible levels of threat that are now virtually zero when it before they were fractions of a fraction of a percent right uh, of of anything being remotely threatening to them it's it's the kind of where where any number of other normal things that they deal with, that they've dealt with their whole lives are way more threatening than mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. and it's just the whole things in, in,
1: yeah, that, and that if you why quarantine right now because of COVID, your odds of dying are going to go way down because you're going to stop driving, you're going to stop going to work, you're going to stop. You know what I mean? So many other risks are going to disappear that are that at this point with Omicron may actually be worse than COVID, may be a yes. higher risk to you.
0: No, I absolutely are a higher risk to you if you're at all healthy, if you're you know if, you're, if you don't have comorbidities and you know don't fit into this this profile of people who are actually significantly threatened by it. Anyway, the uh, the point of this is, I, like, I look at why it is. Well, people will look at that and they'd go, "No, no, no. There's there's no incentive for us to be so misled." And I just think, like, do you realize how much power over everything in the world the U.S. government has? And do you realize that control of the U.S. government, the COVID nineteen and the debate over how to handle it, is the political tool. That is being used to get the necessary votes to have to be in control of the most powerful yeah, thing how, in the entire how world. How
1: people in the United States right now feel about COVID will largely determine the next election. Yes. Yes. As weird as so, that sounds, that's how it's set up right now. It, it is so how contro- it's set up. controlling that narrative is not about controlling how you feel. It's about controlling power in the largest center of power in the world.
0: In the world, like this is, and these it, are
1: high stakes,
0: and there's a blindness to that. Like, like this is this is the highest stakes game over power in the history of the world, mm-hmm. probably, and it's playing out through the COVID nineteen PR rooms,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, and if and if you don't know that, then it might sound crazy to be like, "Hey, these people are lying to
1: you." No, and that and that's why. And that's why people like, like Brett and Heather and even Joe Rogan, just for having the forum to have the discussion have Mm -hmm. been considered so dangerous because it's not really about COVID. It's about power. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not about COVID. And those kind
1: of statements that they're making are incredibly destabilizing to that narrative. And that narrative is so key to, to maintaining that power. I mean, it's.
0: Yeah. Whatever's said now is going to have virtually no effect. Omicron's going to hit everybody. And, and there's not really anything you can do about it, and it's not going to kill you. Yeah, and, and these policy like
1: changes had. aren't going to significantly change that. Even the five-day quarantine is not going to have as <laughs> much effect as people think it is. The biggest right, the, change the is the going to be is over. how <laughs> people feel about it.
0: Yes, and so the battle over the perception of this debate is the battle over control of the U.S. government, which is the battle over the most powerful government that has perhaps ever existed and the most certainly the most wealthy and influential one in the world right now. And that's that's all. Like, maybe we should consider <laughs> the uh, the possibility that people are saying things for all f- with ulterior motive, right? That maybe the political parties and political appointees have other agendas than your health. <laughs> it's it's possible, at least, right? There are good reasons for them to try and make things look a certain way, to try and scare you, to try and influence you one way or another. It determines the future of the of the political sphere of of, the, of this massive yeah, and, center and, of and, power. And what
1: we're talking about here is not some big conspiracy. We're talking about the no. system as it is now, publicly understood. This is the system. Look it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what what? Why why does a business hop on board with all of this very rapidly? Do you know how much money they often get from governments through various means? I mean, the that- money
1: that's been thrown around with COVID alone is insane.
0: Yeah, when they the the future existence of most of the major players in economics depends on the goodwill and the favorable regulations and the favorable subsidies and the favorable trade deals and tariffs of the federal government. If they have every incentive in the world to care what the government does and to get on the good side of the of those who will determine their future,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and why wouldn't they? I mean, it's. It's it's one of those things where, again, the the sheer scope of the United States government, its reach, its power, its influence, corrupts everything else. Um, because your livelihood is at stake, yeah. Your company is at stake. Your political yeah, party. Yeah, when they and hold that much power over
1: everyone and the ability to hold that much power over everyone, it it's it's definitely powerful. Right there's a whirlpool underneath us that's invisible, but it's there. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely there with COVID. And and ignoring that fact is just keeping your head in the sand.
0: Yeah, it's the gravity and the or the the I'm trying to think of a proper analogy. It's a whirlpool underneath us while we're arguing about little bits of waves and things. You know, that it's <laughs> that it that it affects it affects everything to such a degree that it's uh, that it's almost invisible, which is. Because it's just always, it's been that way for many years and it's, uh, and its effects are so behind the scenes. And so, uh, and not even discussed and often re- not even recognized by the, pe- the very people who are being influenced by them, mm-hmm. right? This is just how their business works. They have to do certain things. This is how the incentives for the, the CDC work. They have to meet certain standards and they report to certain people and they get funding from certain places and they're, they're so interconnected. Um, I keep seeing headlines about Fauci, uh, Fauci's connections to the funding to the Wuhan lab being buried, and they now have a lot of evidence about uh, about how it's been buried and how it was buried as a coordinated effort with the help of a variety of companies mm-hmm. who who, seeing the coming pan the the pandemic and things coming, were like, we need to hide this connection. and And I heard a, one group try and justify it on the basis of, well, if we didn't hide it you wouldn't trust us and we wouldn't be able to help you. People (laughs) like, I guess.
1: That's beautiful. Anyway,
0: anything else we wanted to throw out here in this, uh, in this hour long vent?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I guess I would just conclude by saying the moral of what we're saying here is yes, the government has noticed some glaringly obvious things for the first time in two years. And as you're looking at that and appreciating the fact that they're doing that, ask yourselves the question, why now and what changed? And remember that when it comes to to the government, just stay a little bit cynical. And with
0: that, thank you for listening.
1: This has been an episode of Rethinking Politics. You can find us on all of the major podcasting apps or on YouTube. You can reach out to us at RethinkingPoliticsPodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website at RethinkingPolitics.Podbean.com where you can support us via Patreon. Thanks. Have a wonderful day.